When my brother and sister-in-law were first married, they invited my whole family over for dinner. And because she was new, my sister-in-law wanted to make a good impression, so she spent all day working on this dinner. And my family was appropriately complimentary. They ate the meal and said, this is great, this is wonderful, great food. But my grandmother, never one to mince words, says to this brand new bride, it's a little bland if you ask me, and dumps a bunch of salt on it. It was a low moment in our family's history. My sister-in-law hasn't forgotten it. But Grandma and Jesus have a lot in common. You weren't expecting that line, were you? You see, I think Jesus looks at the world and he says, it needs salt. This is the ninth sermon in a series we're preaching on what the church is supposed to be. And in this passage, Jesus gives us two metaphors to describe the church. Salt and light. And this morning, I'm just going to talk about salt so you guys can talk about light over lunch. See what you come up with. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And I want to start with the first word, you, because who this you is, is very important. If you look at the context, Jesus is talking to a sort of ragtag group of people who he has just finished finished describing as poor in spirit, mourning, persecuted, hungry and thirsty. And it's this motley, beat-up crew that Jesus says... You are the salt of the earth. And and he even emphasizes that word you. In the Greek, it's used in the emphatic form. Sort of you, in capital letters, are the salt of the earth. Except it's in the plural, so it'd be more like y'all are the salt of the earth. Or in Georgia, the emphatic form of that would be all y'all are the salt of the earth. Or in Pittsburgh, youans are the salt of the earth. And I find this encouraging. Because I think we tend to think, if if we're going to make a difference in the world, then we need to be sort of super good, highly qualified, highly high achieving, have it all together kind of people. But Jesus says this to a pretty sorry lot of folks. In fact, you can sort of imagine them looking behind their shoulders. Who, who, Who are you talking about? And Jesus says, you, you guys, hey, yo, you, I'm talking to you, y'all are the salt of the earth. Look to your right and to your left. Or since we're Presbyterians, maybe just dart your eyes back and forth quietly. (laughs) That's the salt of the earth. We are the salt of the earth if we know Jesus. We don't have to be rich. We don't have to be powerful. We don't have to be talented. We don't have to be high achieving. We don't even need to be particularly good. If we know Jesus, we have the power to change the world. Now, how do we do that? Well, let's follow the metaphor out. What does salt do? It does a couple of things. The first thing is it preserves. In ancient times, people used to rub salt into meat to keep it from going bad. And as Christians, we are called to preserve the world, to keep it from going bad. And throughout history, Christians... The church has done this. The true church, by the way, not just the institution, but folks who really are on track with Jesus have acted as preservative agents in the world. Hospitals, universities, the abolition of slavery, 
child labor laws, civil rights, all were led by Christians. In fact, hospitals were started in Rome during the plagues because Christians were the only ones that weren't afraid of death. So they were the only ones that would take care of the sick. Throughout the ages, the true church of Jesus Christ has acted as a preservative agent in the world. And, and we can do this in our own lives. For instance, maybe at work, we don't fudge our expense accounts. We don't participate in unethical business practices. Maybe at the water cooler, if the conversation is coarse and dehumanizing, we, we try to raise, try to elevate it to something a little more life-giving. I have a friend who, after 9-11, started having neighborhood gatherings in her home. She'd bake up a bunch of cookies, invite the neighbors in. They'd spend the evening together. And when it was all over, she'd close the evening off in a short prayer. And everyone loved it. We are the salt of the world, called to preserve, to bring, to bring hope and goodness where things aren't going well. Now, I have to say how we do this is important because I think if we just go out and sort of yell and scream and picket and protest at what's wrong in the world, we don't necessarily advance our cause very well. When I was at Stanford, there was a preacher there named Brother Jeb who used to come out and shout at the students as they'd walk by. And he'd say things like, Hey, you, you drink too much. You, your dress is too short. You, you're immoral. It didn't work very well. <laughs> if we think that the way to preserve the world and fight against what's wrong in the world is, is to shout and yell and sort of be obnoxious for Jesus, I don't think that's going to work. That's, that's like putting too much salt on your food. It tastes bad and too much of it can raise people's blood pressure. Uh-huh. Now, there are times when we have to stand up for what's right. That's true. Civil rights, great example of that. But even then, we have to do it with grace and love. Besides, think about how salt works. Salt, salt doesn't stand out. You don't see it sitting on your food, right? It, it blends in and silently, behind the scenes, preserves and flavors the food. So at the water cooler, if the conversation is degrading, we don't cluck our tongues and let everyone know how morally outraged we are. Maybe we just subtly sort of change the subject. Hey, how about those Seahawks? They're winning. What do you know? That's great. <laughs> I'm new. I don't know if that's unusual or not. There's a Christian woman in Los Angeles who adopts crack babies as a way of helping poor women who face unwanted pregnancies. She doesn't yell at these women. She doesn't lecture them. She provides hope. She provides an option. Salt preserves. We keep the world from going bad. But we do more than that. Because salt doesn't just preserve. Salt also heals. In ancient times, people would put salt on cuts because it helped, it helped them to heal. Even today, European insurance companies pay for people to go down to the Dead Sea because the salt in that, in, the, in that sea cures a whole host of skin ailments. Salt heals. We are called to heal. A man I know struggles with internet pornography, and one day while he was surfing on the web, he, he came upon a site that was called Triple X Church, XXX Church. And this is a website designed to help people break that particular addiction. And what happens is if you sign up, it puts a program on your computer that notifies two people of your choosing 
of any questionable websites you might visit. And if you try to turn it off, it tells the same two people that you turn it off. And, 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 and they named it Triple X Church so that people searching for pornography would stumble on it and find help. That's bringing healing. Rather than yelling and shouting about the corruption in the world, the authors of this website dove right into the center of it and found a very practical, very loving solution that brought healing. Salt heals. Finally, a third thing that salt does is it flavors. We all know this. It brings flavor. Several years ago, I was on a mission trip up in the Andes Mountains working with a tribe of indigenous people. And the only thing they ate was potatoes and guinea pig. You heard me, as in Fluffy the Pet, guinea pig. And every day we would be served up sort of a heapin' helpin' o' pig. Only it didn't come all nice and cut up. Oh, no, 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 no. It came out whole. All four spread out eyes staring up at you. It was gross. And just in case you're wondering, no, it doesn't taste like chicken sort of more like cardboard, only without the flavor. There's only one way to survive a meal like that. Lots of salt and a blindfold. As Christians, we are called to flavor an otherwise flavorless world. Another way to translate this verse might be, you are the salsa of the earth. That's my particular version of the Greek. You won't find it in a commentary. You are the salsa of the earth. You're called to give it some snap, some zest, some life. Now, that is not the image that most people have of the church, is it? Most people's image of the church is that we're just a bunch of curmudgeons who just hate fun. And that's why we're here. Philip Yancey tells a story of sitting in church and seeing a toddler in front of him laughing and, and singing at the top of his lungs and his mother kept trying to quiet him down. And finally she swatted him and the little boy started to cry, and the mom said, There, that's better. No having fun in church. <laughs> that is the image many people have of what the church is. Sort of, and we as Christians are sort of God's collective killjoys. You know, just out to stop the fun wherever we see it. And, uh, and our team cheer is, We don't drink. We don't chew. We don't go with girls who do. Yay, team! <laughs> right? Not particularly attractive. I don't think that's what it's about. I don't think our call is to go out and let everyone know what we're against. Our call is to go out and let everyone know what we are for. We are for a whole, abundant, rich, beautiful, meaningful life. Life at its best. That's what we're for. To be the salt of the earth means to give life flavor, zest, abundance. On another mission trip I was on, we were in a very poor village. No electricity, no water. There's a little girl there, six years old, who was having a birthday. So we went into town, got her a cake, got her some balloons, and, and threw her a party. And when she walked into the room and saw what we had done, she started to cry. Because nobody had ever even acknowledged her birthday, let alone given her a birthday party. Now, she's going to remember that day for a long time. Because we brought her some joy. Some of my students used to go to all the parties at Stanford. And they'd, they'd laugh, they'd dance, they'd have a great time, and all night long carry around their little can of 7-Up. They were the life of the party, but they weren't participating in all the bad stuff. 
As Christians, we bring a party, we bring celebration, we bring joy. That's why our worship services are characterized by joy. We've got the best news in the world. We should shout it out. Churches should be a place of of fun, amazing, adventurous life. Not, Not sort of a conventional place to play it safe, but adventure. Can you imagine what would happen if churches were places where if you took a huge risk to follow Christ and failed, everyone would applaud that you took the risk instead of criticizing you for failing? Can you imagine if that's what churches were like? People would be flocking to them. We bring flavor. And the way we do it is the same way salt does it. I'm told by people who know these things that salt actually doesn't add its own flavor so much as it enhances the natural flavors of the food that it's in. So that's why the saltiest product at McDonald's is not the fries, but the milkshake. Because they add salt to enhance the sweetness of the, of the milkshake. As Christians, that's what we do. We enter into life, we enter into situations, and we bring out the joy that's there, the presence of God, the community, that's just waiting to come out. Preserve, heal, flavor. That's what we do. Now, it needs to be said that that is a tall order. So how do we become those kind of people that do that? Because that's a lot to do. Two things. The first is predictable. I say it in almost every sermon, and I say it because it's true. You've got to get close to Jesus. You gotta, he's the one that will make us like this. It's interesting to me that Jesus says in this verse, you are the salt of the world. He doesn't say go out and try to be, or work really hard and lump it up. You know, you ought to be, you should be. He says you are. This is something we become if we stick close to Jesus. The apple tree doesn't have any problem producing apples. That's just what it does. The Christian doesn't have any problem being the salt of the world if that person is close to Jesus. As we get close to him through prayer, through scripture, through worship and service, this is who we become. The second thing is we've got to get out of the churches and into the world. Salt's job is to disperse itself and penetrate the food to bring it flavor and to preserve it. And if all salt does is kind of stick together, it's useless. That's a salt lick, right? And nobody likes a salt lick, except for maybe a cow. Too many times Christians just sort of huddle together in a kind of saintly salt lick. That doesn't do anybody any good. That's not what we're called to be. Our job is to be in the world, at work, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, preserving, healing, adding flavor. A student that I was very close to came as a freshman, not really sure of what he believed about Jesus, but in his junior year began investing more time in Scripture and in prayer and in worship and ended up taking on some of the character of Christ. And also in his junior year, he became president of his fraternity, a position of leadership. And at the end of the year, the fraternity threw a party for the outgoing seniors Only he ended up putting the whole party together by himself. Nobody wanted to help. And unfortunately, it it ended up turning into sort of a drunken fest and just made a mess of the fraternity house. Well, the next morning, he got an angry email from the seniors, all of whom were drunk and making the mess, saying, the house is a mess. Clean it up. So he sent out an email to the fraternity and said, hey, let's clean it up together. Let's do this as as a group. No one responded. He ended up doing it all by himself. Well, the next morning, he got another angry email saying, 
you missed the mess in the backyard. So he went out and looked, and sure enough, the backyard was a mess. There were beer bottles and empty kegs. People had gotten sick back there. It was just a disaster. Well, now he's really mad. I mean, he's done all of this. No one's helped him, and he's just getting criticized. So now he's really mad, and he goes to the room of, of one of the guys he knows was responsible for the mess in the backyard. And he's just furious, ready to read this guy the riot act. And right as he's about to knock, he has this thought. How would God want me to handle this? He's like, oh man, way to ruin a great self-righteous rage, you know? <laughs> so when the guy opened the door, the, the student asked, did you make the mess in the backyard? And the guy said, yeah, I did. And my student said, well, let's go clean it up. And the guy said, are you going to do it with me? And the student said, yeah. Let's, let's do it together. So they went and ended up having a great time, had a great conversation, started laughing about a bunch of different stuff, laughed till their sides hurt. And when they were all done, the guy who had made the mess in the backyard looked at my friend and said, thanks, that was different. That's being salt. Now, my, my, my friend didn't just let this guy off the hook, didn't just let the bad behavior go on and on. He acted as a preservative agent, something that would turn back the corruption. But he did it in a way that honored him and, and, and that was gracious. And in a way that brought healing to an ugly situation. And they did it together, which meant that there was fun and there was life and there was joy. There was flavor. And the reason he was able to do that was because he had been spending time getting to know Jesus. And this wasn't something he tried to do. This was just someone he was becoming. Believe me, as a freshman, he wasn't anything like this. And everybody in the fraternity knew that he was a Christian and knew why he was different, which caused some of the guys in that fraternity to begin to ask the question, who is this Jesus person? Which fulfills two other functions that salt has. It melts ice and it makes people thirsty. And if we are the church that God calls us to be, then we will melt hearts that are cold and icy toward him and make people very thirsty for the living water that is found only in Jesus Christ. You, y'all, you guys, all y'all are the salt of the earth, blessed and called to a wonderful task of preserving, healing, and adding, adding flavor to an otherwise flavorless world. And have fun doing it, because it's a blast. Lord Jesus... We want to be these kind of people who draw others to you because of how you're alive in us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would make us those kinds of people until, until not only this church, but all the churches around in the east side are overflowing with people who are just dying to know you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.